Thank you, choir. That is one of my favorite hymns. I really like that. This morning, I'm wondering, what do you care about? What are the things that you tell your friends and your family? Do you talk about perhaps you've gotten a new shirt or a new top? Maybe you have a new house, kind of like I do. Maybe you've seen the latest movie or a TV show. We always share about the things that we're interested in. The psalmist here calls us not only to share about the things of the earth, but to share about God. So let's listen to God's word as it comes to us from Psalm 145. I will exalt you, my God, the King. I will praise your name forever and ever. Every day I will praise you and extol your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. One generation will commend your works to another. They will tell of your mighty acts. They will speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty. And I will meditate on your wonderful works. I will tell of the power of your awesome works. I will proclaim your great deeds. They will celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. The Lord is good. He has compassion on all he has made. All you have made will praise you, O Lord. Your saints will extol you. They will tell of the glory of your kingdom and speak of your might, so that all men may know of your mighty acts and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures through all generations. The Lord is faithful to all he promises and loving toward all he has made. The Lord upholds all those who fall and lifts up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you, and you give them their food at the proper time. You open your hand and satisfy the desires of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and loving toward all he has made. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desires of those who fear him. He hears their cry and saves them. The Lord watches over all who love him, but the wicked he will destroy. My mouth will speak in praise of the Lord. Let every creature praise his holy name forever and ever. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? God, we give you thanks for your word. We give you thanks for the reminder that we should come to praise you. Not just to praise you to those here, but to praise you to all generations and those around us. And we pray now that you will help to open our hearts and minds that we might hear the details of this psalm and we might learn from them. And then having learned, we might put them into practice. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Now this is an ancient hymn. It comes to us from a long, long time ago, probably about, oh, I don't know, 3,000 years or so. So it's been a long time. And in this particular hymn, It's interesting that the Hebrew uses the word praise 17 different times. Now, I know it's a little longer than some of the other psalms that we sing, but it's a strong, strong emphasis 
on God's kingship and on praising God for his mighty acts because that's what the psalm is calling us to do. It's interesting that, at least in my version, it says, a psalm of David. It's said that this was one of David's favorite psalms. It was one that he supposedly composed, and you can just see him in the temple praising God, and he invites us to join with him. And so as we look at it, we see that in in the Psalms there are things that are called parallelism. They say one word, or they say one line, and then they say kind of the same thing in the second line. I will exalt you. I will praise you. I will praise you. I will extol you. Great is the Lord. His greatness no one can fathom. It goes back and forth between different kinds of ways to help us understand that we are called to praise God. And then it says in um, the second verse, I will praise and extol your name. Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever thought of what extol means? I mean, it's kind of an old-fashioned word that we have. It basically means to praise with your heart. Not just to say, hey, that's a good idea, but rather, that's a great idea. Can we put it into practice? That's the kind of thing that the psalmist is calling us to do, is to extol God's name every single day. Now, names are important. They were important back then, but they're even important today. Perhaps you have children, and one of the things that parents get to do is they get to name their children. And perhaps you thought about it a long time. Perhaps you have one of those books that has, you know, pages and pages of names. And you and your spouse thought about, well, now how will I actually name this new child? Because you know when you name something, it becomes part of their identity. And so whether you name them something that is common, I have a son named Philip and another one named John, but not just common, but we named them because those are also disciples. And we wanted them to be disciples. And in fact, they are disciples of Jesus Christ. And so names become very important in our identity. And here the psalmist says we should talk about God's name. His name is the way of identifying him. Because God is someone who is so vast, so above us, it's hard to comprehend. The one who is up there, as we think of up there, but actually he's all around us. He's every place. And yet, he is here within us. And so the psalmist indicates that he has a personal relationship. He says, I will exalt you. I will praise your name. I will extol your name. It's not just some stranger that he's talking about. You and I might talk about different politicians or different elected officials. We kind of, you know, know that name. But we don't really know the person. I don't know about you, but I've never been privileged to meet a governor or president or someone like that. But I've met you. And you perhaps have met me. And we know something about the person. And here the psalmist is calling us to know something about God. To know that he is there. That he is worthy of praise. That no one can fathom his goodness. His unsearchable love for us. It's as much as the seas are in the depths or the starry nights. I always like the Van Gogh. I don't know, perhaps you know about it, the starry you know, night. 
I think it's in the, in the um, Getty here. And it's a wonderful painting. And it reminds me of God's majesty. That God created all of those wonderful stars. And I get to enjoy them. I get to see them whether I'm here in Los Angeles where there's a lot of light or whether I'm up in the Sierras where there's not much light and I can see them a little better. But either way, I can see the starry universe. But then the question is, do I boast about it? Well, when I was growing up, we were taught not to boast about ourselves, but I can't help but say I do boast about my kids, about my grandkids. Perhaps you do too. I even boast about my spouse And I don't mean to embarrass them, but I'm so glad that they have been able to succeed. And in the same way, the psalmist calls us to boast about God, to talk about him as if he's a friend, and he is a friend's success. So we're to praise the Lord. We're to boast about him. We're to intelligently spend our praise on his character and his acts. We're to have a heartfelt understanding so that we can acclaim him. Do you stop and think about what's gone on this past week for you? When has God been there? Now for me, he's been there in in the everyday, yes. I mean, I've been able to get up every morning. I've been able to go about my day. I've been able to interact with a various number of people. I've been able to rest in the evening and then lay myself down to sleep and God has been there in all of those kind of ordinary things but God has also been there in special acts God has been there I'm waiting for a permit to build that's my particular thing and they say it's going to be issued tomorrow and I'm praising God that we have gotten through all of that process if you've ever tried to build something you have a lot of process that you go through And that's my praise. So what is your praise? What has God done that is special for you this past week? Or that you're anticipating, as I'm anticipating in the coming week? God is there to be praised, and no one can fathom his greatness. And yet the psalm calls on us not just to praise him, but also to commend God's works to one another, to tell of his mighty acts to tell the other generations, one generation to the other. Do we tell others about God? Do we tell about how faithful, how loving, how gracious? Have we spoken to friends about it? Have we spoken to family? Have we spoken to co-workers? Sometimes it's a little difficult in situations where we're not quite sure what their opinions are and whatnot. But we can still praise God by simply saying, I have experienced this. So we're not putting a burden on others, but rather we are proclaiming our own praise of God, our own thanksgiving. Do you have a tradition of praise? In my family, when we gather for Thanksgiving, we go around the table and we say, what are you thankful for? You know, but that's only once a year. The psalmist is calling on us to praise not just once a year, but to every day praise him. To give glory for his goodness and his righteousness. To give glory for his slow to anger. Because quite frankly, there are times when I fall short. And I'm sure there are times when you fall short of what you had hoped to do or maybe not do. And you end up missing the mark. So you 
can praise God that he is slow to anger and gracious to forgive us because part of God is being righteous and being holy and as we sang this morning holy, holy, holy there is none beside thee there isn't and no matter how much we try God is so much holier than we could ever be but he grants us grace he grants to God-fearing people that he is present he is offering us his salvation it's a sacred tradition to celebrate his mighty acts and to pass on his praise perhaps you have had the opportunity to be at a seder it's an ancient Jewish practice where they celebrate the release from captivity in Egypt and one of the things that they're called on is to tell of their particular salvation our salvation and that's part of the Seder ceremony is not only to think about what we were and how God saved us but also to pass it on to the youngest so that they might know of God's glory so they might know of God's wonderful acts it's God's true greatness his divine love towards everybody it says that he, I will proclaim your deeds they will celebrate your goodness he's compassion to all he's slow to anger he's good to all it's kind of like Calvin had two different kinds of graces he had what's called common grace common grace was something that was poured out on everybody it didn't matter whether you were a believer or not you were a recipient of common grace you and I experience that every time we get on the, the roads here in the United States we drive on the right side of the road now if you've ever been in the UK you know they drive on the other side now I get confused but nevertheless that's common grace that everybody obeys the particular traffic rules or everybody stops when the stop sign is there or when the light turns red we are blessed by common grace but Calvin had a second kind of grace he called it saving grace saving grace is what he offers to believers anyone who believes in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior is offered that grace and that we can have a personal experience of because as we come to be believers we are anointed with the Holy Spirit so that we have within us the Holy Spirit which is encouraging us helping us to be better to be able to move away from some of the things perhaps we were before and and move towards things that God would want us to be and so he, the psalmist said is the obligation of every single believer to rehearse the great doings of our great God we're not supposed to just leave it to the side but rather we are supposed to personally make a declaration of what we have seen and known have you seen God I have and I think each one of you has in some way or another we just need to think about it we need to think about what has God done and then to proclaim it to others because you see the central theme of this psalm comes to us in verse 10 all you have made will praise you O Lord 
Your saints will extol you. They will tell of the glory of your kingdom and speak of your might. The idea is to extol God, to praise him. Why? Verse 12 tells us, so that all may know of your mighty acts and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. God's kingdom is greater than we can ever imagine. Depends on your particular situation as to what you might think kingdom is. For the shepherds who had to toil out in the fields, it was a time of rest. For those who perhaps were in the temple, it was a time of singing. For those who weren't quite sure about relationships, it was a time to grow closer to God. So whatever you might think of as heaven, it's more than that. And it's all of that. Because praising God is what we're called on to do. His everlasting kingdom in 13, he says, and his dominion endures through all generations. So we're assured that it's not just for today. It's not just for tomorrow. But rather, it's everlasting. It's enduring through all generations. And yet, how reluctant we are to praise him. Sometimes we're embarrassed or perhaps a little hesitant. We don't want to make a fool of ourselves. But if you stop and think, who better to be a fool for than for God? He wants us to breathe his praise around us. And then the psalmist goes on and talks about how God has been faithful in his living expression of everything. It says he upholds those who fall, he lifts them up, he gives food at the proper time, he opens his hand and satisfies the desires. He gives us everything that we need. Maybe not everything we want. I've always told people I would love a BMW Z. Um, I have yet to get one. You know, a friend of mine gave me one that's about that big. You know, and I keep it on my I keep it on my desk because it reminds me that God satisfies my needs, not necessarily my desires. Perhaps you have something like that. But God promises to satisfy us. He promises to be generous to us. And yet, how many of us are still stone dead in front of pagans? How many of us won't even thank God for our food if, if we're at a table and we're not quite sure if everybody is a believer? But you know, I was reading about this and, and one of the commentators said, You can always kind of just say, excuse me, but I'm going to give thanks for my food. And so then stop and pray for your food. And you know what? When I have done that, I have noticed that others at the table, even if they aren't believers, will also bow and hopefully join in thanking God. I've even noticed one or two of the servers stopping and and also joining in that thanks. Because... We ought to turn ourselves to God. We ought to pray over our food. We ought to praise God for all he is. Because he's loving towards all he has made. He is near to those who call on him. He answers. He always answers. Not necessarily with the answer that we want. Sometimes it's yes. Sometimes it's no. For me, most of the time, it's wait. Wait for God's timing. And so we're called on 
to frequently ask God about things. And we're called on to pray first, not last. Unfortunately, most of us kind of are self-dependent and we try to get things done and we try to do everything and then we kind of get to a point where it's like, ugh, I'm not quite sure about this now. So now I'll pray. Well, that's okay, but it would have been a lot better if I had prayed back there when I started, you know, because things might have, well, they might have still gone the same way. They might have gone better, but I would have been in a better place. My head would have been in a better place to think about all that God has for me. Because God gives help abundantly. He watches over all who love him. He's near to all who call on him. Who call on him in truth. You see, that's one of the kickers. Is it something that's really true? I guess like that need, desire thing. Is it really true that I need this? Okay, we need food. We need something to put on our, cl- our bodies so that we're clothed. We need shelter. We need friends. But maybe we desire a few more things. Maybe we desire an extra piece of clothing. Maybe we desire an extra kind of thing that might, like my BMW, you know. But... God is there to watch over us, to love us. But it does say that to all the wicked, he will destroy. God is a God of judgment. God is a God of holiness and righteousness. And he cannot tolerate evil. And so he has to turn away from evil. Because his holiness will not permit it. And so also as we approach him, we need to try to be holy but we need to recognize the parts that aren't and confess them so that we might ask him truthfully sorry, and in utter sincerity to be a humble and God-fearing person. Now we might get discouraged and defeated in life. We might be depressed about our circumstances and our problems and maybe our relationships with people. But the antidote is praise. It doesn't necessarily change any of our circumstances, but it changes our attitude. There's an old saying that we should count our blessings, and that's what the psalmist here reminds us about, is counting our blessings, counting the small things, because for some people, maybe they're not so small. As I get older, my body doesn't necessarily act like I was 20 years old anymore. And there are a few creaks and cracks and and whatnot. But you know what? I can still get up. I can still move. I can still speak. I can still offer my praise to God for the fact that I'm here, that I can relate to people, that I can enjoy his creation, that I can have relationships with others, and I can count my blessings. As it says in Romans, that all things work together for good for those that love the Lord. We don't necessarily always see that, but we can rely on it because it's in God's word. We can rely on his goodness because even though we might be lacking in joy, we might be of a temperament that's a bit pessimistic. 
I think I was kind of born pessimistic, and then I went to law school and really became pessimistic. Sorry. (laughs) My husband also teaches law. And pessimism is something that helps people think about what are all the problems. But you know what? We also need to think about what are all the blessings? What are all the things that we can have enjoyment of? Simple illustration. Most of us have some kind of sanitation in our homes and in our condos and apartments. We go and and we use the bathrooms and flush the toilets and shower and everything. and, And you know what? They work really, really well. But there are some people in the world who don't have that. Because we have good sanitation. We should give thanks for it. We should give thanks that God is there. God has given various people the, the ideas to make these wonderful things, these wonderful systems that help us. So inside we're to have a heart filled with praise and filled with thanksgiving. But it's not just to be inside. It is ultimately to share. One generation will commend your acts to another. They will tell of your mighty deeds. Do we do that? Do we share with others? Do we share the things that God does for us? Because the psalmist says at the end, my mouth will speak praise of the Lord. That's our challenge. That our mouth will speak praise of the Lord. Let every creature praise his holy name forever and ever. Will you pray with me? God, we give you thanks that you were there, that you were there caring for us and supplying our needs. We give you thanks that we can come to you and praise you. We also give you thanks that we can tell others of your glorious deeds and your mighty acts. And we pray, God, that you would help us to take seriously what the psalmist calls on us to say, that we will speak your praise wherever it is and wherever we might be. And in whatever circumstances we might praise you because you are there loving us and assisting us in all that we do, in all that we are. And we ask you now to help us in these things. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.